Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Those on the platform for their ministry as well tonight, we're grateful for the opportunity to be in the house of the living God. Hallelujah. Pray for those girls. I've been thinking about them these last couple of days. Uh, They are at boot camp, and so that means the last 48 hours have not been easy for them. Uh, They've had DIs yelling in their faces. They've been doing push-ups in the dirt. Uh, And as the old saying goes, uh, we are breaking them down so that God can build them back up. And uh, one of the wonderful things about this, uh, this boot camp that we do for teenagers is that, uh, that it is done with the purpose of bringing people, bringing these teens into, a, into an environment without distraction. There's no cell phones there. There's no televisions there. There's no internet there. It, they have a meeting with God. And so that is, uh, we're believing God that they're going to come back all fired up for Jesus. Amen. So please be in prayer for them as well this week. Let's open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 tonight, if you join us there. This uh, message was inspired by an article that was handed off to me uh, that came from a website called DesiringGod.org. This is the ministry of Pastor John Piper, uh, uh, with whom... uh, we might have a few small theological differences, but has a very potent and powerful ministry. He's an incredible preacher. 
And this, uh, this article that, uh, that was uh, given to me, some of you may have read it, but it was very inspirational. And I want to uh, preach out of this parable from, from Jesus in Mark chapter 4. How many of you were there at the conference? There was a Bible conference in Chandler, and I'm thinking that there was probably a few of you there a few years back. When it was, as I, my recollection serves me correctly, I believe it was on the Friday night of conference, which is our biggest night of conference. Pastor Campbell had taken the stage, and if you've ever heard Pastor Campbell preach, you know he is a captivating preacher. He will command your attention. The Spirit of God moves through him. And as you know, uh, my life has been changed because God used Pastor Campbell to speak to me directly. But on this Friday night of conference, something began to happen in that service which deflated everything God wanted to do. And the thing that happened in that service was a bat. There was, I'm not talking about Batman, I'm talking about a flying rodent. And this bat had found its way into the conference hall in the Chandler Center of the Arts. How many remember this? Anybody? Amanda was there. I know you guys were there. You remember this? And what happened, what began to happen was so fascinating that uh, as this bat, first it was in the way back of the hall, you've got to picture the scene. There's close to 2,000 people gathered in this Chandler Center of the Arts. Everybody's dressed up to the nines for Friday night service, man. We're getting ready to launch churches. But one little flying rodent took the energy out of that building. And what happened is from the back of the auditorium, it came in, it swooped through. And everybody kind of caught a glimpse of it at first and didn't know what was happening. Pastor Campbell, you know, he immediately all the attention was taken off of his preaching and to this flying rodent. <laughs> and he's trying to calm people down. He's saying, no, don't worry. It's fine. It's just a bird. But it was not a bird. And this thing swooped down. And every time it swooped, you can imagine, all the people that were nearby began to squeal. Ah! And uh, every location, it was swooped. Ah! And it would go up onto the stage, and it, would, and it would be there for a few moments, and everybody was kind of quietly hoping that it would stay there. But then it would come out again, flap, 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 flap. And every time it's flying through the air, people are squealing, ah, woo! The ladies are covering their heads. The men are putting their suit jackets over their head. Until finally, there was a disciple in the Chandler Church who takes off his suit jacket, and he was about... He's a very tall guy, Billy Kidd. He's now a pastor in Houston. And he, <laughs> he jumps up on the stage right when the thing is swooping down. And he tosses his jacket like that, catches the, uh, the bat in his jacket, scoops it up and runs out of there. Everybody cheered. Yeah, go Billy. And from then on, he is known as Batman. <laughs> but for those very few moments... But that bat was flying around in the church service. I want to tell you, it didn't matter what Pastor Campbell's message was. It did not matter that he was preaching from the Word of God. It did not matter 
whether God had spoken to him months in, be- months in advance of this moment. It didn't matter if he had prayed or fasted. Because in that moment, all of the attention was focused on a tiny little bat. And for those five, min- five minutes of that service, no matter what God wanted to say, none of it was reaching the ears or even the hearts of God's people. It was only when the bat could be dealt with and eliminated that God could do what he wanted to do. And what I want to say to you tonight is that in each and every service, there are forces at work. There are satanic and demonic forces trying to do what that bat did in every person here. The devil knows how powerful the word of God is. And because he knows, he will send forces and demons to sit in on every service to try to snatch away what God is wanting to do in your life. So this is a message I've titled, When Satan Steals the Seed. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened, as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Skipping down to verse 14, as Jesus explains this beautiful parable. Verse 14, he explains that the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, that when they hear Satan, say the word Satan, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts when Satan steals the seed. Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus. I'm praying tonight, hearts would be open, God, that ears would be able to hear. Lord, don't let us be the people that Satan is able to snatch away the precious promise that you have for us tonight. In each and every service, let us be disciplined and determined not to let the distractions of our lives, the errant thoughts of our minds, Lord, the forces of hell, don't let those things stop what you are trying to do in our lives. God, we pray that you would expose the evil workings of hell tonight in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Let's look first of all tonight at the seed, the sower, and the soil. Now, this is familiar ground for many people here tonight. This parable from Mark chapter 4. Uh, has been preached and re-preached so many thousands of times over the last two millennia. Since Jesus spoke it, it has captivated hearts and minds all around the world. And it is truly a beautiful and powerful parable of Jesus. It is filled with kingdom revelation. And yet, it is simple. This parable, to me is very much a nutshell of the entire Word of God because it is both incredibly profound and filled with revelation and yet at the same time so easy and so simple to understand that a child can grasp it. That's how you know it's from God. It's like the ocean. You know, if if you go to the beach down here, Virginia Beach Oceanfront, there are places at the beach that are so calm and gentle that even a six-month-old baby can play in the little waves. 
But there are also places uh, in the ocean that are so dangerous and so treacherous that no human being would ever dare to go there. And in the same way, the Word of God has parts of it which are simple and easy to understand that even uh, we can teach in our children's church on the other side of this building. But how many know there are parts of God's Word which can, uh, can be so deep and filled with revelation that you could spend the rest of your life trying to understand and still not get there? Isn't that true? It is also the same with this parable. This parable is filled with God's revelation, and I hope to share a little bit of it with you tonight. So first of all, let's look at the main parts of this parable. First of all, we have the sower. The sower, don't get lost by that word because we don't use it very often. The sower, another word for that is a farmer. We know what a farmer is, right? We are at such a loss, by the way, in 2023, because we don't live in an agricultural society. Many of you don't handle seeds. You don't know what it means to grow something, to harvest something, to plant something. And so Jesus was speaking to an agricultural society. They would have understood this concept immediately. But for us, it takes a little bit of explanation. So a farmer, think about what a farmer does. A farmer takes his seed, and in order to produce a harvest, he has to plant the seed. He has to take care of that seed. He has to water it. He has to keep the seeds, uh, the, 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 uh, the weeds away. He has to fertilize the soil. He has to care for and watch over his field so that the seed can, be, can begin to grow and thrive, which the reason that he plants the seed is so that a few months later he can go out and pluck the fruit off of the plant, he can take it, he can use that to feed his family, or he can take it to the marketplace, and he can sell his harvest. This is the purpose of the parable. The purpose of the farmer (coughs) is that he plants the seed in order to gain a harvest. Are you all with me so far? Okay, so in our scripture, who is the farmer? Who is the sower? The sower is God. God (coughs) wants to bring about a harvest in our lives, a harvest in our world. God wants to produce in the beginning. What did he say to the man and the woman? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Now that, of course, is speaking of physically. Have lots of babies, Adam and Eve. Fill up the earth and make it a place that carries the dominion and authority that I've given you. But in addition to that, the fruits of righteousness. This is a, this is a picture of uh, what God wants to produce in your life. How many understand that your life is the field? Your life is the soil. And you are either producing a good crop or a bad crop. You are either a fruitful and abundant harvest or you're making a bunch of weeds and making a bunch of work for other people. Are you still with me tonight? Every person is a field that God wants to plant in and produce a harvest. So how does God bring forth a harvest? Well, Jesus tells this entire parable about seeds. Now seeds, seeds are such a central part 
of the Word of God. And in, uh, in our scripture, or in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus begins to speak about seeds. And he says in Matthew 13, verse 31, a different parable he put forth to them, saying the kingdom of heaven <clears throat> is like a mustard seed, a mustard seed, which is the least of all the seeds. And if you've ever seen a mustard seed, it's about the same size as a poppy seed. That's the kind that you get on your bagels, right? And about that same size, that mustard seed, Jesus says that he takes, a man can take that seed, sow it in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, <clears throat> it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. Jesus is trying to explain to us that from this tiny little seed that you can barely see with your eyes, you can put that into the right environment and treat it the right way, and what will come out of the ground becomes an incredible blessing, not just to the one who planted it, but even to the birds who happen to be flapping by, that they can find a branch, they can make a nest, they can raise their families. This is a picture tonight of the power of God's Word. Jesus told us what the seed represents. The seed represents the words of God. Are you with me so far? And tonight, every, what are we trying to do when we come to church? I hope that you're doing more than just trying to impress somebody. I hope what you're doing is more than just, well, it's time for church, so I guess I have to go to church. That's good if you have a habit of church attendance. But what God is trying to do in you, this is not about what you are trying to do for yourself, but what God is trying to do in you is to plant a seed in your life. And you might not see the results in one day. You might not see results in one month. But from the seed of God's word, the fruit of that can come forth and be a blessing, not just to your life, but to the entire kingdom of God. God wants to produce a harvest in your life. How does he do that? With his word. Within the seed is contained all the potential of the kingdom. I want you to think about this. When God created the universe, how did he do it? He spoke the word of life. That he did not start with Play-Doh. He did not start with dirt. No, when God created, he spoke into the darkness and the very molecules were created in his speaking. The word universe, single spoken sentence. Every time we think of the universe, we are declaring, God spoke this place into existence. Anything good that comes out of your life, is because God spoke. Jesus is the greatest gift that God ever gave to man. And what does the Word say about Jesus? In the beginning was the... And the Word was with God. And the Word... And the Word, what? Became flesh. Jesus is the incarnate Word of God. He is the living, breathing Word of God. He is the culmination of creation. 
And that gift was given to humanity when God spoke. And so tonight, the seed is good. Listen to what the word says about itself. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So God wants to change you. God wants to do a good work in you. God wants to do a miracle in you. How does he do it? He does it through his word. The word is the seed. That seed, when it's planted in your life, can produce a beautiful and a wonderful harvest. How many of you have seen God's miracle in your life? You've seen a miracle. How did that miracle begin? Somebody told you the word of God. Somebody gave you a promise. If you believe, you can be healed. If you believe, you can be saved. Those all started with the word of God planted in your life. And so the sower is God. The seed is God's word. And then we have to think about the point of the parable which is where the seed is planted. We know that this seed is good. The seed does not fail. The seed will work every time if it is found in the right place. This whole parable was told to remind us of the importance of the conditions of your heart. Jesus explained there was four soils. There was the hard heart. There was the thorny heart. There was the heart uh, that, that sprang up quickly. Uh, and then there was the heart that was fertile ground. And so the point of this, and I don't want to, uh, th- there's so much here that we could talk about, and I don't want to get uh, stuck here, but, uh, but the condition of the soil is important if God is going to produce something in you. How is it? That two people can sit next to each other in church. One of them comes in weary, broken, lost, and walks out having an experience with God, rejuvenated, re-encouraged, ready to go out and take the world for Jesus. And the other person comes in and falls asleep and walks out the same way they came in. How is that possible? Same messages preached, same songs are sung, same claps on beat or off beat. But what I'm saying is one heart is receptive to the word of God and the other heart can't hear what God is trying to speak. And so this is where this, uh, this message becomes very interesting because Jesus, in this particular scripture, he, we are focusing in like a laser beam on one of the four conditions of these hearts. And that is the first one in verse 4. It happened as he sold, sowed rather, that some seed fell by the wayside. Fell by the wayside. If you examine this in the original language, you will discover that that word, the wayside, has, carries the idea of a hardened place. It is, maybe you've seen before, uh, a place in a field uh, where there's some dirt. I'm thinking now of the park over here at Mount Trashmore. And there are places in that park that are commonly walked. It's not, not the places where there's a cement sidewalk, but I'm talking about like up on top of the mountain. 
like where I met you, Brother Sabin. And there's some places that there's a common path that people walk back and forth, right? And in those places, when you look down at the ground, you will see that those places that are commonly tread underfoot, that the soil there has become packed and it has become hardened. And you can take one step to the left and you'll see some grass there. And you can take one step to the right and you'll see some grass that has grown there. But in this one place, there's a path that has been walked on, that has been pressed down. And even if you took the best seed from Walmart and you begin to scatter it on that wayside, on that hardened place, how many know it does not take root? Are you with me so far? So this is what we're looking at tonight, the hardened heart. And it is there that the Bible says that the good seed that God is trying to plant, when it does not find root, it is then that the strategies of hell are activated, that the birds begin to swoop down and begin to gobble up what God is trying to plant. Now, I want you to imagine. Use your imagination for a second. Imagine if... Before the service today, we had left all the doors open on this building. And when you came into service tonight, there was a big old crow sitting up here on this chair, flapping its wings and squawking during the service. Could you imagine you looked in the back and there was some geese moving around in the back corner making a lot of goose poop? Could you imagine if there was a seagull over here flapping and squawking? Now, let me, let me ask you, if there was birds in the service, much like that bat that I spoke about at the beginning, would you be able to hear anything that I'm saying? No, it would captivate and capture your attention at every moment. Is that true? Can I tell you, you might not be able to see them, but there are demonic birds perched right now. Some of them are on the back of the seat in front of you. Some of them are in your mind. There are thoughts. There are ideas. There are dreams. There are fascinations that the birds are in your mind right now flapping, Wah! squawking. And no matter how much you try to focus in your mind, your heart, there is some kind of flapping. There's some bird. Now, this, I wish Jaylee was here tonight because Jaylee, she hates birds. Ever since she was little, a bird would fly, by, fly, just, you know, get a little bit too close and she recoil in horror. She hates birds. I wish tonight that we would have the same reaction to the demonic presence in every church service. Why? What is the demonic trying to accomplish in your life? You might not understand how powerful the word of God is, but the devil knows. He knows how powerful this word is. That if this word would find the right place in the soil of your life, that you could be changed. You could become fruitful and productive and powerful in the kingdom of God. That your life and your marriage and your ministry could change overnight if you would believe God's word. That you would let that seed be planted. Well, I don't tell you, the devil knows. He knows how powerful. 
he knows how potent is the seed of the word of God. And I tell you, he is working in every church service. He is working over, over time to make sure that you don't hear. And we become like what Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 13. The reason Jesus said, they asked him one day, why do you always speak with parables? Why are you always using these stories, Jesus? And he told them, the reason I speak in parables, because people will hear what I'm saying, but they don't understand. He says, seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And I just described most of what happens on Sunday morning. Seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear. Paul went on in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3, and explained what this was like. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, he's speaking about the good news, the message of Jesus Christ uh, crucified and resurrected being behind a veil. In other words, it's, it's not invisible. It's, behind, it's hidden behind a veil of secrecy. And he says, this gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. Those are the people whose minds, the God of this age, that's Satan, he has blinded them, those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel is the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You go do your own study of that particular scripture, and what you will find tonight is that God wants to make himself known. The light of the gospel wants to shine in your life. What Paul is saying is that that good news, that good message, that powerful seed, the enemy will do everything he can to keep it from you, to keep that seed from finding a crack in your heart, a place where roots can begin to go down, where the water of the Holy Spirit can begin to soften, where the Word of God can begin to transform your life but before any of that happens you know what happens first in every church service there are birds scooping down and gobbling up you know you know what that reminds me of birds <laughs> you know they say she's she's not eating very much she's eating like a bird but you know the reality that a little sparrow that weighs, what, maybe a quarter of a pound? They say that those birds can eat half of their body weight in a single day. So you better hope she's not eating like a bird. Because to eat half of your body weight, that's a lot of food. Birds are notorious for constantly eating. That's why when Jesus said, don't worry about your life, because even the birds of the air... Ah, they don't have jobs, and yet they have enough food. You watch a bird, that thing is eaten like all of its life. You watch them geese out there in the yard. They're, what are they doing? If they're not pooping, they're eating. And when they eat, they poop more. Think of these demonic forces. What's amazing to me is that they are hungrier for the word of God than most of God's people. They are scooping up what is planted in you that is not received. That's powerful. 
You don't even have to say amen. I know it is. The devil comes to church too. In fact, he's probably our most faithful member. And he is here tonight, and he is doing his job well, scooping up every morsel of God's word before it can take root in your heart. You know, there's two things you can do with a seed. You can plant the seed, and what happens when you plant it, treat it right, and wait for some time, the seed can reproduce and multiply, right? What's the other thing you can do with the seed? You can eat it. In fact, we go to 7-Eleven. There's little bags of sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds or whatever it is. You eat the seed. But, you know, seeds can be tasty, but it's almost a waste of potential, right? Like you feel bad eating something that could produce exponentially more than just getting the little caloric intake out of one bite. This is the picture that when Satan devours the seed, he is snatching up the potential of what God could do in your life. This is why when we come to church service, you really ought to pray, Lord, don't let me be distracted. Lord, don't let me be counting ceiling tiles when I know you're trying to speak to me. Some of y'all are wondering right now. Oh, yeah, I haven't counted them before. How does Satan devour the seed of God's word? Well, usually on Sunday mornings, one of the, one of the uh, most powerful birds that squawks in your mind is Sunday brunch. How many profitable words of God have the contemplation of after-service meal? How many times has it stolen from believer and unbeliever alike? You know, that's an easy one for the devil. Why? Because he is the devil of this world. He has control over the forces of this world, and he can even put thoughts in your mind, and I think he can even put a little grumbly in your tumbly. That's so easy for him. Because when you're thinking about your belly, you're not thinking about what God could be doing with the seed of God's word. That suggestion, hmm, what are we going to eat today? Sometimes even the preacher can be a distraction. Some little annoyance that you have with how he speaks or talks or moves. Sometimes it's the environment. It's, it's too hot or it's too cold or it's too empty, or it's too full. Or there's that little plastic piece missing in the chair in front of you. Every single one of them, seeking to steal your attention. It's a glaring bald spot on the guy in front of you. It's Mrs. Jones' unavoidable perfume. It's anything and everything except what it needs to be. Hello? Satan is a distractor. We read about times that he, he doesn't have to win. All he has to do is distract. Satan incited David to sin by causing him to take a census of Israel. In Acts chapter 5, it was the devil who filled Ananias' heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. And who was it that put it into the heart of Judas to betray, to betray Christ. 
That would be Satan. In fact, the Bible says Satan entered Judas to betray the Lord. See, he doesn't have to win. He doesn't have to poke you with a pitchfork. All he has to do is squawk. To keep the seed from gaining entry into your heart. He lies. He says, "Ah, is that true? Google it. Before you know it, you're watching cat videos. He lies. And when he does, he speaks out of his character. Why? He is the father of lies. And he captures people to do his will through his untruths. John Piper, he highlights three ways that Satan steals the seed. One, through inattention. Two, through ill will. And three, through ignorance. And as he, uh, in this article, he says these words, Satan works overtime to keep people from giving serious attention to the word of God. He might keep you up late on Saturday night. Anybody been guilty of that one? He'll keep you up too late on Saturday. I always tell people Sunday morning starts on Saturday night so that you can't stay awake during the sermon or Sunday school. He may put a dozen different distractions around you in the service to take your mind away from the message. He might even pinch a baby during the service. He might send thoughts into your mind about tomorrow's meeting at work. If he can only distract you so that the sounds coming from the preacher's mouth make no impact on your soul, then he has successfully snatched up the seed that could potentially change your life forever. Inattention is his game. When we, oh man, this is good. This is so good. I didn't write this. So you ought to pay attention. When we long for a distraction, Satan will provide it. Now I want you to imagine as distracting as it would be to have a crow over here and a seagull over there and a gaggle of geese over there. Imagine Satan hovering above you, squawking all around you, doing everything that he can to keep the seed from reaching the place where it can make a difference. How often God wants to make a difference in your heart, but because of the hardness, because of closed ears and eyes, The seed does not reach its destination. So let's talk lastly tonight as we close about restoring fertile soil. You know, it would really help when God begins to plant in your life. It would really help that when the seed falls, it doesn't bounce off. Because when it begins to bounce, that's when the the powers of hell swoop down and snatch up. How many of you ever planted grass in your yard? You know, one of the things that they, if you read about how to do this correctly, the problem, one of the problems is that you put out all this grass seed, and then what happens next? The birds! Here they come! They have seed detectors. They begin snatching up all of that expensive seed you just got at Home Depot. And so, how do we keep the birds away? Well, one thing you can do is you can buy, you can rent a tool from Home Depot. I got one of these one year, thinking that I was going to make my yard nice. And it's a tool, it looks like a big lawnmower, but it's got these hooks. 
I don't even remember what they call it, but it's this big spinning thing and it's tiller, okay? And it spins and it's loud and it vibrates and it's this massive motor with these long hooks on the end and it's digging into the soil and what it's doing is it's pulling up all of the old dead grass that's on the surface and it's making some holes and some space so that when you drop the seed, it doesn't just sit up on the surface. It has a place to go down into the soil. Then you get maybe some of those little uh, those little sticks with a little flashy piece of plastic on the top, and that kind of scares the birds and keeps them away. What I'm saying to you tonight, some of you need some power tools applied to your heart to break up the hard places so that the seed has less of a chance to bounce off and be consumed by the enemy. In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, we have this scripture. It says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Our hearts can be like that fallow ground. That word fallow meaning hard, impervious, not able to be broken. But the word of God there to his people was break up the fallow ground. How do you break it up? Well, you got to use something sharp. You got to use something wet. You have to water the soil. You have to use a shovel, a pickaxe, a, a, a power tool from Home Depot, something that has a blade on the end. You know, sometimes when God starts dealing with us, the word of God can be sharp too, huh? That's the work that we have to do. Lord, prepare my heart. Maybe some fasting. Ouch. That's painful. Maybe some sacrifice. Give up something that's important to you because I want to seek God. I want to create space for his word to do something in my life. Maybe it's to give an offering, one that you didn't plan. Maybe it's to uh, give a, a part of your heart that you have kept back from him. Maybe it's a, a secret devotion, a morning prayer meeting. Maybe it's, maybe it's God something been dealing with you in your life for a long time because it's hard. But I tell you tonight that by doing that hard thing, allowing the fallow, that hardened ground to be broken up, what you're doing is making a place for the seed of God's word to find a root. Break up your fallow ground. Let's become that fertile soil. Let's become the hearts that when God speaks, I don't want to hear anything else. I don't want to hear the news. I don't want to hear the movies or the entertainment. I don't want to know what's happening with my game. I don't want to know what's happening with my team. All I hear is, Rah! I need to focus in and receive what God's trying to speak to me. Because if we will do that, church, if we will do that, look at that. What is this? Rah! The devil in my back pocket right there. And he wants to do the same in your heart. Don't let him. Let's break up the fallow ground tonight. Let's bow our heads for a few moments. And close our eyes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. 
When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.